0: The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. and when they exclude you revile you and defame you on account of the son of man rejoice in that day and leap for joy for surely your reward is great in heaven and for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets but woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation woe to you who are full now for you will be hungry Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o
1: Christ. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I got to tell you, um, my heart is still dancing with delight at the enthusiasm that our children showed over a tool like a level. (laughs) Imagine it had been a drill or like a circular saw or a table saw. That would have been incredible. So, Jesus preached one of his most famous sermons that was explained in Matthew's account, in Matthew's gospel. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you have heard of the Sermon on the Mount? It is an incredibly well-known part of Scripture in Matthew's gospel. It is the absolute longest sermon that Jesus gave. It took place over three chapters. I promise you my sermon will not be that long. However, today we do not encounter the Sermon on the Mount, but rather we encounter the Sermon on the Plain. It is Luke's account, and it is referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. Now, the Sermon on the Mount provides us with a multitude of quotes and just captivates a significant amount of Of Jesus' teachings. It begins with the Beatitudes, the nine blessings. We also learn the Lord's Prayer as it's found in Matthew's Gospel as part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew, we are told that Jesus had been traveling all around Galilee and crowds had been forming, wanting to see Jesus and everything that he was doing. And as the crowds gathered, Jesus then made his way up the mountain. He was followed by his disciples, and when they got to that place, Jesus began to preach. Now, we also are told, in Luke's account, as we have heard over the past weeks, that crowds as well have been gathering to catch a glimpse of Jesus, of this miraculous teacher and preacher and healer. However, there is a very subtle yet powerful difference between the two accounts, between the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I love a really good mountaintop experience. I have experienced them both figuratively and literally, and there's nothing quite like them, right? However, there is something about Luke's account and the Sermon on the Plain that is very powerful. We encounter Jesus already up on the mountain when he suddenly makes his way down along with his disciples. And what happens next? Instead of being up on the mountain, Jesus comes down to a level place. Now, that level place is subtle, and yet it is incredibly powerful. I mean, think about it for a moment. In our culture that we live, right, we are often told that the more elevated you are, the better you are. The more you are above the next person, the more well-off you are. And we tend to jockey and position ourselves above our neighbor, above the person next to us. But in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus comes down from that elevated place and comes down to a level place And encounters all of the people who had been gathering and seeking to hear him. And to be healed by him. Jesus comes down to this level place. And there he encounters not only those who are troubled. And who are longing to be healed But he encounters those who are also experiencing great joy in their lives as well, but simply wanting to hear the miraculous teacher and preacher and all of the things that he was saying about the kingdom of God. And so he comes to this level place to share that good news of God's kingdom with everyone. And in that moment, in that place, no one is less than or greater than the other. No one is above or elevated above the other. There is no separation between those who are rejoicing and those who are weeping. And isn't that what the kingdom of God should look like? Isn't that who we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians in this world, recognizing that no one is greater than or lesser than the other, that we ourselves as individuals are not better than the next, but rather we are all equal and all equally loved in the eyes of God as beloved children, as beloved brothers and sisters in Christ? And so in this moment, in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus does something that is subtle and yet incredibly powerful. He levels the playing field. He acknowledges and recognizes that those who rejoice will also find themselves suffering. And he recognizes that those who find themselves suffering will at some point find themselves rejoicing. In fact, the Apostle Paul picks up on this very theme in his letter to the Romans when he talks about the Christian teachings and the way of life. And he says, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and we are to weep with those who weep. That is what we are supposed to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we experience that in various ways. We experience that here at St. Philip the Deacon in one way, week in and week out. If you pay attention and look over at the baptismal font, when we see a red rose on the font, we are rejoicing with families, with parents and grandparents at the birth of a child. But every so often, we see a white rose on the font. And in that moment, we also acknowledge and recognize that there is someone in our community whose heart is breaking, whose heart is aching over the loss of a child, over a miscarriage. And in that moment, we weep, we mourn with those who are weeping And mourning. And so, in that level place that Jesus comes to, He reminds you and me that none of us are less than or greater than the other. He reminds you and me that we are never alone wherever we may be, whether we find ourselves mourning or grieving, whether we find ourselves in a great worrisome point in our lives or filled with stress and anxiety, we are never alone. And we are never alone in the midst of our rejoicing and celebrating as well. If we think about it, at any given moment, we ourselves, or perhaps even the person you are seated next to in your pew or in your chair, finds themselves rejoicing or weeping. And sometimes we find ourselves in both realms, right? Hungry and full, weeping and laughing, Poor and rich, hated, and loved. When Jesus comes down to this level place, He tells you and me and acknowledges and recognizes that there is always another side to what we are experiencing in this day and life of ours. And because of that reality, we must remember that we are never alone, that God is with us, and in turn, recognize that those around us, that they are never alone as well. And so in Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, this blessing that he speaks is given to each and every one of us. And as members of the body of Christ, we are to go out and impart this blessing, this way of life with those around us, that we are indeed to rejoice with those who rejoice, but in those difficult and challenging moments, we are to stand alongside of and weep with those who weep. So, on this day, my hope and prayer is that each and every one of us can hear that blessing, receive that blessing, and that that blessing may keep you all the days of your life. And in turn, then, you may be a blessing to others, that you may reach out with compassion with grace and mercy to all of God's children, that you may weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Let it be so. Amen.